father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious? Hello, and welcome to What's Lightsabers Precious? The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars Encyclopedia podcast where we waste time on fictional wikis. I am Ryan. And I am Joanna. So, Ryan, hmm? how was your week in Star Wars? Um, I don't didn't have one. Did you even think about Star Wars this week? I was busy. I bet it didn't even cross your mind. Not really. I'm so disgusted. Sorry, I'm kind of tired today. Oh, you sick? No, a little hungover, maybe. Oh, I, mean, I thought you were just eating ice cream cones last night. I didn't realize there was the devil's drink involved. Now, this might make me sound a little bit cool, Oh, sometimes, there's that danger. Sometimes I drink alcohol. Ooh, Ryan! It might make you too cool to be doing a Star Wars podcast. Yeah, so Ooh. I'm just going to give you guys swirlies on the way out. No worry. Oh, please don't stuff me in a locker. I'm good. How Never was your uh, your Lord of the Rings week? My Lord of the Rings week was, was splendid. I found... Um, a, a stupid video on YouTube. Yeah, we posted that on the we Facebook. We posted that on the Facebook. It's just the scene where Frodo wakes up in Return of the King, and but somebody dubbed over it with really dumb voices, and that's the level my sense of humor is at, so... I like it. I thought it was hilarious. Can I drop some Lord of the Rings news on you? Yeah, okay. There are reports through the fan site TheOneRing.net that Amazon is actively seeking writers and directors for their billion dollar Lord of the Rings series coming yep, up. Yep. Billion. Billion dollars. I heard the B. And one of those collaborators is none other than Peter Jackson. Okay. Well, that is that really unexpected, though? I don't think it's necessarily unexpected. I'm just kind of surprised that he would even be like, interested. You know? Because he didn't really want to do the Hobbit series, and then he kind of got forced into it. I mean, he didn't really have much of a choice because um, it was going to be sort of DOA otherwise. And then he didn't have the greatest time making it. So well, I feel like this time they're getting a bit more of a lead up to it. Whereas on The Hobbit, he was doing it basically like laying down the track before the train. That's essentially what was happening. And so I think... I actually heard from what a workshop that they had like six weeks to do all this stuff for The Hobbit. So this, they're getting out ahead of this. So maybe he's more into it. And plus, he's not like the only guy in charge. He's just like a... a Someone to consult. Right. But this is just, I mean, he's hes on the list. This doesn't even mean that they've necessarily asked him and he's given even a tentative reply yet. Okay. Um, but the other part of the rumor is that he is having to choose between this and working on the DC Extended Universe. Oh, okay. Uh, which I, I don't know much about. Do you? Like, I mean, you're a comic book guy. Yeah, but the DC movies are really bad. So Have they all been bad, though? We watched Suicide Squad. <laughs> okay, but I'm not assuming. I mean, Suicide Squad is like in a league of its own in terms of... No. And this is coming from somebody who read the entire 400-page novelization of Suicide Squad. No, they, they are bad from what I understand. Oh, that's unfortunate. Not good films. That's unfortunate. Haven't they had some good TV series, though? TV series. So maybe that's something he would be working on. It's very, very vague, but it would be potentially big news if something comes of it. So, you know, I wanted to mention it. Okay. What about you? You got some Star Wars news? You gonna get uh, something to top that? Oh, yeah. This is some, some hot dirt right from the source. All my Hollywood insiders Ooh. sending me the, the info through my little birds and, and, you know, whispering into a moth and sending it to me. All right, um, Gandalf. Spill the tea. So you know how episode nine was going to be directed by Colin Trevorrow of Jurassic World fame. Yes. And he's not doing it anymore. Ooh. I mean, that, that was not news. That was like that was like a year ago. They said. Oh, JJ's, that was okay. He was. JJ Abrams is doing it, right? Right. Okay. And they revealed why they didn't want him on episode nine. It's because his script wasn't very good. Oh, shocker. No. That's it. I mean, and uh, that, that's like literally all the article says. It's like, his, they wanted rewrites and they just fired him instead. Wow. So, Didn't even give him a second chance. It must have been really bad. What was his name again? Colin Trevorrow. He's the guy who directed Jurassic World and not much else. They're like, Colin, we can't have something in this movie Stop called putting like, the Super super Ultra Megasaurus. Stop like, it's putting dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, Colin. For it's real. not going to happen. Also, Ray Ray cannot be running around in high heels the entire time. Surely she'd Surely. take them off at some point. I don't know why you put a Jimmy Buffett cameo in here. Colin, come on. And it was exactly the same as the one in Jurassic World. So, like, yeah. there's a dogfight going on in space and Jimmy Buffett's carrying two margaritas and he's 
just like, ooh, and just runs into a building with him. And they give him like a cool Star Wars name, like, like, like Jimmy Buffet. Jimmy Buffet. Jimmy Buffet. Yeah. And the other Star Wars news is that John Favreau, director of Iron Man, director of the Jungle Book live action movie that came out, he is doing a Star Wars series as well. Ooh. Live action show that will use some of that motion capture technology that was used on the Jungle Book. Okay. uh, Set after Return of the Jedi. And so there may come a time in the near future where there is not only a live action Lord of the Rings show, but a live action Star Wars show on TV or on streaming services simultaneously. Probably on streaming services. Probably not. Who actually goes on, like, TV, TV anymore? Well, I feel like that motion capture stuff has come a really long way mm-hmm. since, say, what was the first big movie to do? Like, the Polar Express? Like, that was all motion cap. I do mean, you remember, like, how scary It looked bad. Went? I mean, you know, Gollum was motion cap. I know. He yeah. was great. But they worked on him for, like, six months. They worked on him for a long time. I mean, really, the earliest, like, that was, like, a full character in a, in a movie the whole time was, was like, uh, Jar Jar Binks. That's true. And Jar Jar, I think, looked pretty good at the time. Pretty good for the time. I don't think he looks quite credible in every single scene when you watch it now. Doesn't really hold up. But, you know, at the time, I was like, dang, it's a full-on CG man, fish frog man. You know what you should put on Facebook is, you know how they, they weren't, like, they didn't seem quite sure of the technology, and so they had this tall guy with a Jar Jar head no, that was the, around? No, that was the actor. That was Ahmed Best. That's the guy who does Jar Jar's voice. But they had him with, like, a hat on? That was more just to kind of show where he'd be in the scene so character so characters can interact could with look him. at him. Wouldn't it have been, like, Righteous if that was just um, what they left in the movie. Just, <laughs> just a guy with a Jar Jar head. No. It wasn't even a head, Duran. It was a hat. So, uh, what, okay. is a, what is a hat but a second head on top of your head? I don't want to talk about Jar Jar's head anymore. So what are you going to teach me about Tolkien's world? We're going to talk about holes. Holes? Like the book and the movie? Yeah. With it's, Stanley Yelnats and, and Shia LaBeouf and... and Lizards? Were those? I think lizards were involved somehow. It's been a long time. Let's not talk about holes again. I don't want to talk about Jar Jar's head. I don't want to talk about holes. I don't want to talk about hobbits. So okay, well, we're, well, well, I'll have you know that uh, hobbits lived in holes. All right. Did you know this? We're going to talk about hobbit customs today. We're going to start with the fact that they lived in holes. Okay, I thought that was all you're going to tell me. No, I'm going to tell you so much more than that. But we're going to start with holes. So their preferred style of dwelling was holes. Okay. In hillsides, downs, and riverbanks. But, 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 did you know that by the late Third Age, when Lord of the Rings took place, Hobbit holes had largely been replaced? Uh, well... People weren't living in them anymore. Hold on, I saw the movie. People were still living in all those holes. Well, I mean, Hobbit holes were still in use by more established Hobbit families. Yeah. But if you weren't sort of established, if you weren't a Baggins or a Brandy Buck or a Tukor, if you didn't live in Hobbiton, you were in just like a regular building of wooden brick. That doesn't seem very fun, though. I mean, it doesn't to me either, but I guess maybe it was kind of hard to maintain them because just think of the damp, think of the mildew. Yeah, and I guess you have to find a proper hill to build it in. And if you're, in, like so a, many. you're in a flat area, you can't really be a very good Hobbit in exactly. a Exactly. But... There were still some hobbit holes around, obviously. There was Bag End. Yeah. There were the Great Smiles, where the Tooks live, which you talked about before. Yeah. There was also Brandy Hall, which was founded by Gormadoc Deep Delver Brandybuck. Okay. And that was, like, one of the deepest smiles in the Shire. Okay. It's super, super deep, and that's where the Brandybuck family lived, so presumably Mary lived thereabouts. There was also the delightfully named Town Hole. Oh, that is cute. It's, it's like Town Hall, cute, but Town Hole. But it also kind of sounds like something you would name, like, the most promiscuous person in town. Only if you're gross. Like, you're the Town Hole. We know that Tolkien wasn't gross, and so he would not have even thought of that. You gotta pay the troll toll if you want to get into the town hall. All right, all right. <laughs> so, but no, this was in Mickledelving, the okay. capital. And this is where the Shire's mayoral business was conducted. Unfortunately, it collapsed shortly before the events of Lord of the Rings. Oh, no. And so they had to replace it with something, presumably with a regular wood or brick building. So town hall was no more. Okay, question. Yes. How do they construct a hobbit hole? Do they have, like, hobbit backhoes and hobbit, or big mighty hobbit drills? They do not. Uh, presumably they just construct it with shovels, man. Just they did digging? everything the good old-fashioned. Just yeah. digging. I think that would collapse almost immediately. Well, though. I feel like they would have to have some kind of, like, things to brace the ceiling as they continued excavating it. But maybe that's why they switched over to regular buildings, because it was a huge pain in the ass. Right. 
That is tough. Like, holes can be a pain. I mean, I don't know much about burrowing, but, uh, like, I think about the side of a hill. It's probably not the most, like, sturdy dirt. It's hard to say. Maybe they had a way of telling, like, this is going to be a sturdy hole and this is not going to be a sturdy hole. I mean, there's a reason why when you go to New Zealand, Uh the holes are only, like, you know, four feet in. Like, they end after that. That's what I mean. Like, after a while, it's like that's... It's kind of hard to get it to stay up. The structural integrity is going to be all over the place. Exactly. And that's with, like, modern construction techniques. But anyway, so by the third age, hobbit holes were already dying out. One of their signature things. All right. Sad but true. We already talked about uh, the Shire Cat calendar, right? We talked about it in like the Yule episode. Yeah, we talked about their holiday a little bit. Ages ago. Well, we talked about, do you remember how their Yule celebration was five days long? Yeah. And those five days weren't actually part of any month? They're their own thing. Yeah. And the reason they had to do that was because they had 12 months of exactly 30 days each. Oh, okay. And they made it so that, for example... If um, the first of the month fell on a Tuesday one year, it was going to fall on a Tuesday every single year. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't think it did fall on a Tuesday, but I'm just saying. So, like, the same date would be the same day of the week mm-hmm. every single year. Interesting. And so to make that work, they had to add in these five days that, like, didn't really fit anywhere. All um, right. So there was, yeah, there was Yule and there were also Lithe Days at Midsummer. Lithe Day? Lithe. Lithe. Lithe oh, Day. Oh, I was like, oh, no. Uh, I know, you gotta like, si- maybe that's where it comes from. Lithe. Wookie Lithe Day is mm. Hobbit Lithe Days. So, okay. So are we to, so Middle Earth. Yes. Or I guess Arda. It has a 365 day cycle. Mm-hmm. Just like our Earth. Because it's the same thing, right? Yeah. So okay. it's like 52 weeks of seven days each, pretty much the year. Okay. Yep. And they originally got this, I mean, obviously when they were like proto-hobbits, when they were all the stores and Harfoots, mm-hmm. and, um, when they, and the uh, Fallowhides, back then they didn't really have much of a concept of time. Um, they weren't like keeping super great track. They weren't that civilized, I guess. It's funny to think of like hunter and gatherer hobbits. but Yeah, it's interesting. Presumably they were at some days. So then when they moved into the Shire, which, remember, was, like, part of a Manish kingdom at first, they just sort of adopted the Manish calendar. Right. But, 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 at that time it was the year 1600 by the men's reckoning. Okay. Hobbits were like, no, we're going to start over our calendar from the date when the Shire was founded. Mm. So 1600 is going to be our year zero. Uh, everything, after, everything after that is... is- A.S. Yeah. So for after Shire. After Shire, exactly. Titan A.S. Yeah. (laughs) So, for example, by Shire reckoning, Bilbo was born in the year 1290, Mm -hmm. but everywhere else that would be the year um, 2890. Wow. Okay. Of the Third Age. So you have to like add 1600 years to every Shire date to get like the date Mm, according to the rest of the world. Interesting. Yeah. Now, one thing that this brings up is the fact, now remember, there were hobbits in Bree before the Shire was founded. We talked about that yeah. last time. Yeah. So while it seems probable that Bree hobbits also used the same sort of calendar, it's they probably did not use the minus 1600 date when the Shire was founded. Like, that wouldn't mean anything to them because they were around a long time before that. Okay. So, plus, they lived in really close association with the world of men, so it makes sense that they would use more of the mannish side of things. The man calendar. Yes. Um, the days of the week, according to the hobbits, were also different from what men would call them. Okay. Some of them are similar to our days of the week, and some of them are not. Now, remember, though, this is like an anglicized version of what the hobbits really would have been saying. Right. So, we've got Sturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Heaven's Day, Mers Day, and High Day. Those are pretty similar to our English language week. I think that's the idea, is that it's, yeah, it's supposed to sound sort of like a proto sort of... Okay. Like our names of the week. I like Tuesday. I like Tuesday. I like Stir Day. I like the fact that their week started on a Saturday. Yeah. Which is like their day of rest and hobbits mm-hmm, like resting mm-hmm, and making mm-hmm. merry. So it makes sense. Are you curious at all what month this would be by the Hobbit calendar? Uh, it would probably be Mray. It's not. It is Thrimage. 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 And so that comes from this ancient old English word which meant three milk givings. I have absolutely no idea why the hell. Well, it's like 
you know, we have we have Thanksgiving, and then in May we have Milksgiving, <laughs> which is like all about... That old thank, tradition, Milksgiving. Thank you, cows, for all the dairy you've given us through the years. Yeah. Next month is going to be For Life, and then we get into Life, which is like the midsummer. Not the equinox, the um, solstice. Solstice. The solstice. It's going to be the sol- so, solstice so festival. Solstice is life, then? Life is the, the solstice, yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Also, the shower calendar had a leap year sometimes. They ran into the same issue that we run into nowadays, where otherwise they get, like, kind of ahead. Okay. So the leap year would take place after Mid-Year's Day, which was, like, the Midsummer Festival, and um, it would be called Overlife. Overlife. Yeah. Like, we're going into extra life. Extra innings here. We got overlife. (laughs) Maximum overlife. All right. Kind of a fun side note. So there was a non-existent month in the Shire calendar that was just kind of used as, like, a joking expression. Okay. To refer to something that would never happen. So if it was something that would never happen, they'd say, you know, oh, sure, on Friday the 1st of Summer Filth. Summer Filth? Yeah, because they had a month called Winter Filth. Oh, I like Summer Filth. That's good. Yeah, but Summer Filth didn't actually exist. It was just a joke. I like that a lot. That's fun. I know. It's cute, right? All right. Naming conventions. Just make it sound like a roly-poly little fella. I mean, basically. Bumble, gumbo, bibbly bops. Basically, it's just like it had to sound... Well, for men, for women, it was always a flower or a jewel, right? So we would have, like, primrose. um, We'd have diamond of long cleave. You would have belladonna. Okay. But for men, it was just, like, some made-up thing that... It didn't even have meaning in Hobbit language. Like, it had no meaning whatsoever. Roll bum... Tiddlywinks. I mean, it's, yeah, that sounds like a totally credible Hobbit name. That would not stand out at all. Chumbo Chuggins. Chumbo Wumba. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there were sometimes in some of the more mm, aristocratic families, they'd purposely give themselves like these really bombastic names that Tolkien would base on Gothic, Latin, or Celtic language. So we have Hobbits called Isumbrus and Gerontius and Marmaduke. I don't like those as much. You don't like those as much? You're more into like sort of a, you know, Bilbo, Odo. Frodo. Crimbus Bing Bong. <laughs> Crimbus? Yeah. That's my OC. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. He's under Creative Commons license. Please do not take. Okay. What was his name again? Crimbus Bing Bong. <laughs> Crimbus Bing Bong. I like it. Now, speaking of Bing Bong, speaking of last names, last names, especially among common hobbits, were like a super new thing at the time of Lord of the Rings. So, for example, Sam's last name was Gamgee. Right. His family didn't have that last name until his grandfather. That's how recent it was. His grandfather took that name. And later on, Sam actually got a different last name, which was Gardner. And all his kids were Gardner. So there's like Eleanor Gardner, Frodo Gardner. Cool. Yeah. So it was just kind of like... Mm, kind of flexible at that time. Obviously, the Baggins were like a really historic family, so they had been Baggins for ages. And Frodo and, wasn't about to change that last name. I mean, who would want to? It's such yeah. a great moniker, Baggins. Baggins. Everybody's going to take you, like, you know, seriously with a name like Baggins. And it's fun to say Bagginses. It is really fun to say Bagginses. Producer Gollum, get back in the booth. Get, get Smeagol. Yes. Smeagol. Yes. We'll give you a, you know, an extra bonus on the, you know, the salary you don't have if you can keep him quiet the rest of the episode. Oh, we can do it, Master. Okay, great. Extra fish for you. Summer filth. Okay, keep going. (laughs) All right. Summer filth doesn't actually exist, Gollum. All right. Their language we already talked about in a previous episode. But um, to review, so men and hobbits originally lived close together near the Anduin, right? Right. That was like the men of Rohan before they went to Rohan. And so their language was common at that time. They had a common language. But then after they went their separate ways, it it changed. The the hobbits started speaking Westron or common speech. Mm -hmm. And the Rohirrim like mostly did too with some sort of idiosyncrasies. There were a few words left over from the old Hobbit language that they still use, though. So they still use smile. That's mm-hmm. like a native Hobbit word. Okay. And they still use this word mathem. 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 Now, I know you know what mathems are because of Lord of the Rings Online. It's uh, Yeah, there's a really famous Hobbit ra- rapper named Marshall Mathems. <laughs> Marshall Mathems! The Marshall Mathems LP. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, his mom wasn't a very good mom. No, she's not. <laughs> she's not. Um, no, so Mathems oh, I got, were... I got another one real quick. Okay. He had a really good movie called Eight Smile. <laughs> Eight Smile? And it's 
it's oh, just a smile number eight. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I really like this. Can we make a comic like this? <laughs> we'll see. Of Marshall Mathams who lives at eight smile. Uh, yeah. Oh, Matham is an item whose owner has no practical use for it, but you don't really want to throw it away. Okay. You know, so something like, I don't know. It's not even sentimental value. It's just like, this is really nice. It's like if you had super nice china and you're like, I never entertain, so I don't need this. Right. But you're not going to throw it away. Is that an example of a Matham? That would be an example of a Matham. Yeah, it's from an old English word that means treasure, is oh, where Tolkien okay. got it. Okay. And it, again, is an old word of Hobbit dialect, never used outside the Shire. But what's kind of funny is... Well, first of all, Mathams were often given as presents by the Shire Hobbits. So they were just these regifted objects. Oh, they kept okay. getting regifted over and over and over. And everybody knew it was a Matham. Everybody knew you weren't going to use it. You were just going to regift it to somebody right. else. No one wanted it anyway. Nobody wanted it anyway. Um, but they also had this place in Mickledelvin called the Matham House. Okay. And that was where they would collect and display items they had no particular use for. So if you're like, I don't need this, you just take it to the Matham House and leave it there. So I guess my question is, what is the purpose of a Matham then in Hobbit society? Just like... It's a gift no one wants that you don't want either, and it's just gonna keep passing this garbage around. Like what is gift giving was kind of ritualized, I think. Like think about when we lived in Japan. Oh, okay. Gift giving was rather ritualized. But they gave us, it was like that. They, they gave us good stuff. Mathem sound like garbage. <laughs> they weren't garbage. They would be really nice stuff. For example, one of the things that was in the Matham house was a bunch of weapons. Oh, okay. They didn't need them, though, because they never fought. Right. You know, they weren't bad, garbagey weapons. They just didn't need them. And also, Bilbo had his mithril coat in there for a while. Okay. Doesn't but, need it, even so though it's really nice. you give it a Matham? Yeah. Could you use it, like, if you wanted to? If you wanted to, yeah. I think the understanding when you gave Mathams was that this person probably won't use it either. They'll probably just pass it on. But if you had a use for it, then go for it. And you're like, dang, this is a really nice shirt here. This Mithril shirt. This mithril, I don't think he gave that away. I think it no. was just in the Matham house. Or even just like, hey, I have, I have a tea set. And, well, my other one's really dirty right now. I got company coming over later. I, I just don't want to do dishes. I'll use this Matham. Yeah. Would it make it not a Matham anymore? No, it would still be a Matham. Yeah. I mean, presumably you didn't break it or stain okay. it. Or, yeah, it would still be a Matham. I was confused about Mathams. That's okay. All right, we talked about how there were a bunch of weapons in the Matham house. Yeah. Which leads us to the Hobbit military. Okay. So. I don't know they had one. <laughs> what they had was really more like a militia. Okay. Like so it wasn't like a standing army. It was like something like the Minutemen that we used to have or like those really, really misguided people we have nowadays that think the government is going to institute martial law so they all right. like run around with AKs in the woods and that's you know cool. that's quite a math themselves it. that is quite an AK yeah. <laughs> one of the, the most prized possessions in the math of house was an AK-47 <laughs> but um no so basically if they ran into trouble they would just kind of like go around and, and gather this militia of ordinary hobbits who would deal with the emergencies as they arose. And most of their weapons were probably like hose or pitchforks. Pitchfor like, yeah, typical mob stuff, right? But it should be noted that at least as far as it's been recorded, this only happened twice. Oh, okay. Only twice did they have to summon the hobbitry in arms, is what they were called. And the second time it happened was in the end of the book when Saruman goes and tries to enslave the Shire. Oh. Then Frodo and friends, having returned from their journey, kind of like muster the hobbitry in arms and they drive Saruman out. But the time it happened before that was 300 years previously. It was a battle fought in the Shire's North Farthing in the year of the Third Age, 2747. And this was the only battle to be fought within the borders of the Shire before the War of the Ring. Oh. So an invading band of orcs. Oh, no tried to take over the Shire under the leadership of their chief, Golfinbul. However, they were defeated by Bandabras Took, oh, also known as the Bull Roarer Took. Have you heard of Bull Roarer Took before? They mentioned him in The Hobbit. They did mention him in The Hobbit. They did. He was the one who was tall enough to sit on a horse. Right, right. So he was a sort of legendary figure. Well, not legendary. He really existed, but he yeah. was very well known. Uh, and he killed Golfimble. And there is a humorous, possibly apocryphal legend that he knocked off Golfimble's head and it rolled into a hole and that this was how the game of golf was invented. So that's why that was in the movie, too. I saw some people who were like, that's an anachronism. Why does Gandalf mention golf? Well, because... It was in the book, though. It's in the it? book. Yeah, it's in the book. That's the joke that golf came from Golfimble's head Ooh, rolling down a hole. That's fun. Yeah. So that was sort of the military... 
Let's talk about their government in as much as they actually had a government. Yeah, it seemed pretty, like, loosey-goosey. I mean, they're so rural, and everything can be really solved on, like, a face-to-face basis. Right. You don't really need, like, a big government. Their culture kind of reminds me of, like, where my grandparents live. Yeah. Bologna, mm-hmm. where, I mean, they... Like Southern Indiana farming Southern community. Indiana farming community, really, really close to Kentucky. Yeah. They're really small government. So they're, like, conservative, but, like, the old definition of the word conservative. Where it was like, you know, just leave it to the individuals and not so much government. Um, So that's kind of how the hobbits were. We talked about how they did have two sort of leaders. So they had the mayor of Mickle Delving, Mm -hmm. who was like the official leader. And then they had the Thane of the Took family, who was um, also sort of an unofficial leader. They also had a police force kind of called sheriffs not sheriffs but sheriffs with an i instead of an e so it's like shire sheriff shire sheriff yeah you can think of it like that way sheriffs 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 and they also had a messenger service which was like their postal service right but otherwise they didn't have a lot of government they did have this court and council called the shire moot Shire Moot. Shire Moot. We know absolutely nothing about it, really, except for the fact that the Tukish Thane was usually its master. We don't know how or when it was held, what kind of things they handled. We assume that if it's comparable to, like, the old English form of a moot, that... Uh, a representative from each of the major communities would mm-hmm. come and meet, and they would sort of talk about matters in need of attention, legal issues, land issues, presumably. One possibility is that Bilbo Baggins would have been on the Shire Moot, mm. being from the most prominent family in Hobbiton. Yeah. Um, but again, we don't have any record of his ever being called to attend a moot. So uh, they were pretty light on government in the Shire. All right. Moving on to something I think is really fun. We have Shire folklore. Okay. Uh, so I want to tell you about two of the folkloric monsters. Some lore for me. That they had some lore. I'm your host, Aaron Mankey. Aaron Mankey. I make pauses really long. And I'm talking about things that are old. I'm Aaron Mankey. And this... Is lore. lore research by the talented Marset Crockett? I don't know any of the other sort of credits. That, no, that's it. It's him and Marset Crockett, as far okay, as I can okay. tell. <laughs> as far as I can tell, it's the only ones. And then he does like five minutes of you know talking about like, stamps.com and yeah. the typical stuff. But so the first monster actually appears in the um, Adventures of Tom Bombadil, that book. Okay. And it is called, it's hard for me to say, a Fastito Kalan. That's a mouthful. Fastito Kalan. And this is a monstrous creature of the sea said to be a giant turtle fish. Ooh. Like, for example, it was so huge that sometimes sailors who were out there mistook its shell for an island. But then after they would land on it, the Fastitalkalan would dive under the water and drown them all. Dang. Yeah. Um, This is some prime hobbit folklore. I don't think hobbits get out much. Mm Mm-mm. Don't spend a lot of time on seas. Mm Mm-mm. So... Any sort of thing in the ocean would probably be a massive legend to them, right? I mean, probably, probably. And it's not clear whether this referred to an actual thing that they saw or if it was just a misinterpretation of stories they heard from from sailors. Yeah. Because hobbits weren't, like, out on the open water that often. Yeah, it's not another thing. And maybe that was one reason, because they thought the Fastitkolon was in there. The second one, Mulips. 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 So this was, like, a strange and secret race that appears in a Shire Hobbit poem. And their identity is mysterious, so we don't even know if they ever existed or if they're like a distant folk memory of the hobbits before they migrated to the Shire. But it's said that they dwell in the dark, they eat travelers, and that they're extremely dangerous and are relatively anthropoid in appearance, man-like in appearance. Yeah. So a lot of people believe that this is their very old, very garbled memory of the orcs or trolls that would have lived nearby when they were living in the Anduin. Sure, sure. It was said that their dwelling place was a dark valley far over the Murloc Mountains through spider shadows and a forbidding wood and past the Marsh of Toad. It's important to note that these geographical names are, like, we don't know what they yeah, are. Yeah, but, you know, a forest full of spiders sounds a little bit like Mirkwood, maybe. Exactly, exactly. So what's thought is that Murloc Mountains was Misty Mountains. Yeah. Um, and the Forbidding Wood would have been Mirkwood, because those would have been sort of around the area where the hobbits were living way, way back when. And so that would mean that the Mulips Valley 
would be between the river running and the red water. Okay. There would have been an orc civilization there that the hobbits had run-ins with, and we think that's where muleps came from. All right, all right. Interesting. Yeah, isn't it? That's fun. Okay, but the funnest part of all... Yeah. ...is here now, pipeweed. Dude. It's weed, dude. You ever farmed, dude? You ever farmed on weed? Pipeweed. You ever had second breakfast on weed? Hobbits do all the time. I feel like I should have talked about second breakfast, their meal sort of thing. I mean, essentially with their meal, we all know that hobbits eat many meals a day. Yeah. Basically, it's just because they're an agricultural community and you need a lot of energy. For example, I remember hearing that in uh, feudal Japan, when people were farming, they would literally eat like five bowls of white rice in a sitting. And nowadays we'd be like, sis, the carbs! Yeah. But uh, at the time, they would work it all off because they were farming all day. So that's like essentially what it is with hobbits, although they do tend to get fat as they get old. I imagine they're pretty fat metabolism as little guys. Because they're small. Yeah, that's exactly what I would imagine. And he probably even more when he got those munchies, man. From the weed, or as Encyclopedia of Arda calls it, the Shire Hobbit's contribution to civilization. <laughs> they contributed literally nothing to broader civilization except for weed. Drugs, baby. So here's the story of weed. It was first cultivated in 2670 of the Third Age. So that's 1070 by Shire Reckoning. It's about like 200 years before Bilbo was born. Thank God, because who wants to be born before weeds invented? Uh, It was grown especially in the south farthing of the Shire and also around Bree, like Bree Mm -hmm. Hill. And it was cultivated, first cultivated from wild herbs by a hobbit called Tobold Hornblower or Toby. Also called old Toby later in his life. And this is relevant, as you will find out in a minute. It was mostly enjoyed by hobbits, though members of other races also enjoyed smoking a pipe. We see that Gandalf really likes it. Men also used it. It was... They sort of stockpiled it around Isengard, if you remember. Merry and Pippin find it in the extended edition of the movie, yeah. which raises the possibility that either, like, orcs or wild men or Saruman I, were smoking it. Saruman's I, really dismissive of weed, though, so I'm not sure that it would have been Yeah, him. right. Maybe Saruman, even though he's not, he's disdainful of weed, he saw its power as a controlled substance that he could use to manipulate the minds of men. The opiate of the masses. Exactly. You may not believe in my beliefs, but have some sick weed, bro. And they'd be like, yes, I will join your evil army. And then maybe he's like, the first taste is free. The only way you get more of this is if you attack Rohan and Gondor. Yes, go fight some horse boys and I'll give you the rest of this dank nug. Oh, whatever you mean, whatever you say, man. Very good. Best buds. Yes, that's us. Other names for pipeweed were halfling's leaf, or just leaf. Yeah, some leaf, bro. Tobacco, because that's essentially what it was supposed to be. Uh, Even though, uh, I know, I know, I know it's disappointing, but that's what... Uh, Tolkien himself said it's not supposed to be marijuana, even though the Peter Jackson movies do have fun with the idea that it might be. And obviously all the hippies that like Lord of the Rings in the 60s were also in the idea that it might be marijuana. Did you, do you think that Tolkien had any idea what marijuana was? (laughs) That's a good question. By the 60s, he almost certainly did. Did he though? I feel like he spent way more time in his study making up languages than understanding the streets and the people and what they are smoking and toking and having a good time. I mean, with. he was sort of up in the ivory tower, but and the sweet, I don't think the he was smoke don't float all the way up there. So. <laughs> well, I don't think that he was like ignorant of current events, though. And drug use would have been a major current event in the sixties. Yeah, but I don't think he cared. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, if you prefer to think of it as sort of like tobacco, but having a little extra kick, I think that's fine too. Yeah, I kind of think of it that way. Yeah, it's probably as well. a compromise. But as so, tobacco, Westman's weed, and my favorite, sweet Galenus. Ooh, Galenus. Sweet Galenus. And sweet Galenus was what the Dunedine actually called it once oh, it spread to them. Okay. They were like, oh man, yes. how sweet it is, this sweet Galenus. In the Shire, there were three most popular forms of pipeweed. So one was called long bottom leaf, and this was produced by the hornblowers, who Uh were descendants of Toby, old Toby. Yeah. But then there was another variety that was just called old Toby, Mm -hmm. right? A whiff of old Toby. Right. Which is what Pippin says he longs for when he and Mary are on the walls of Isengard after it's destroyed. Then there's the third variety, Southern Star, 
which we don't really know that much about. I mean, presumably it's called Southern because it's from the South Farthing. Yeah. The star is probably from the star-like shape typical of its flowers. Okay. And those were the three that they would always smoke in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. And you'll remember that towards the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring, Bilbo's smoking and he says it's the finest weed in the South Farthing, yeah. which is where all the pipe weeds grow. So. Do you think hobbits would vape? Oh, no. Uh-uh. No. That is some newfangled nonsense. Basically, when I think about what hobbits would do, I think about what my grandparents would do, and my grandparents would not vape. Your grandparents wouldn't smoke weed, though, either. Well, if weed is tobacco, my grandpa smoked that for ages. Uh, pipe and weed. he did chewing tobacco. That's pipe, how old-fashioned he pipe, is. Pipe weed. I feel like if that had been a part of their culture from the moment they were born and it was an acceptable part, I feel like they probably would have. Ripping some thick cotton from the <laughs> Ripping some thick, yeah. Blowing fat clouds. Yeah. They probably would have. No, no, vaping. Hobbits were not, you know, they were Luddites. They were not into the latest and greatest technology. Also, vaping is silly. I think Gandalf vapes. You think Gandalf vapes? Yeah. I think he just goes for that. Why Why would he vape, though? Because don't a lot of people vape because they're trying to quit tobacco? He didn't want to quit. He loved oh, that stuff. Also, he was immortal, so it's not like it's going to give him cancer and make him die. It's kind of vaguely magical. It's kind of newfangled. <laughs> Seems like he's kind of interested in, like, the people and, like, the little people of the world and little people vape. So Vaping you know, is, you know. He can make some really cool smoke rings my with little, that. My little pony vaping is magic. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. I think he, he had, like, his cool wooden pipe. Like, why would he trade it in for a vape? So, yeah. I'm glad you talked about pipe weed. But yeah, man, I'm still ready for 420. Coming up in, like, a few weeks or something. I don't know. <laughs> a few weeks. Uh, you know, 49 or something like that. That's been so high. You know, I haven't been even keeping track of the calendar because... You got to stay high all the time to get me off your mind. Uh, yeah, man. I've just been taking all this this spice lately, man. I've been talking about spice. Is that a drug in Star Wars? Well, it's the kind of the broad term for all sort of illegal drug-like substances in Star Wars. The spice must flow. Funny how that is the same kind of thing. <laughs> Are you saying that they ripped off uh, No, no. I think George Lucas is very original and creative and did not be highly influenced by a very popular science fiction book that came out a few years before Star Wars did. No, 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 no. I mean, he was highly influenced by a lot of things. I don't think he's ever tried to hide that. I don't think so. But yeah, Spice. It's something that's only mentioned in passing a little bit, but there's a lot of different varieties, kind of like the old Toby and the Southern Star and all that. And so, yeah, do you remember any of them talking about spice in these movies? Um, Death Sticks. Death Sticks are one. That's a drug, right? The one people always think of, and I thought you would think of it first, but you didn't, was the, the Spice Mines of Kessel. Yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one yeah. of the very first lines in A New Hope, C-3PO says, oh, we sent to the Spice Mines of Kessel for this. Right, right, right. And it's like a like a penal colony or something. Right, and if you remember, that's that's where Trioculus <coughs> operates. Yes! As a slave master. Yes! And by extension, where Triclops was imprisoned. Yeah, yeah. So Kessel is where the spice called Glitter Stim is mined. Glitter Stim? That is a fabulous name. Glitter that sounds like a, that must be a club drug. It lay within this spot called the Maw Cluster. Uh-huh. It's basically just a cluster of black holes that surround this area. And so it was really hard to get to, really hard to get out. It also made it very hard to regulate uh, for Imperial. Yes, would. And so when Han Solo talks about the Kessel Run, He's talking about getting through those black holes and getting around them and, like, maintaining course. And doing it in 12 parsecs. 12 parsecs. It's a distance thing, not a time thing. That's a different story Maybe he had, like, a really, you know, he had a short, he knew a shortcut. Yeah. So, like, it helped them stay under the radar. It also helped because prisoners were sent to the spice mines to mine the glitter stem. And very hard to escape when you're surrounded by black holes. Because you try to go anywhere, sucked up by one of them. And so the spice, it was very prized, and it was created by these energy spiders. What? Yeah. Were they real spiders that produced energy, or were they spiders made of energy? It doesn't specify. Or they were just really amped all the time, doing, like, step aerobics. Like, they, they just yeah, had too much energy. pounding monster. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> five-hour energy. They're drinking, like, six five-hour energy drinks to have 30 continuous hours That's of exactly energy. Exactly right. No, they would use the, the spice to create webs, these kind of like carbon fiber crystal webs. Ooh. And that's kind of how they would mine it. It's very dangerous. Like an unlucky miner that came into contact with one of these energy spiders, they'd have their life energy sucked out of them in seconds. So I think it literally would like suck out your energy and Whoa. the energy of things around them. Uh, it's also be- dangerous because Kessel has no natural atmosphere. You have to wear protective gear well, when you're down in the farts. mines. No, I mean, they had to be, there was the factories created surface air. 
Sure. Kind of terraformed, localized terraforming. Right, but in the mines itself, there's basically no air, and so you'd have to wear breath masks, you had to wear a suit, probably, and the spice was activated by light, and so they had to mine in almost complete darkness, and they have these dim red lights that lack the photons energetic enough to trigger the glitter spin. Not only were the energy spiders dangerous, but the threads of their webs were basically like wires that would cut you to ribbons. Oh yeah, they'd be like super strong. Yeah. You get like clothesline, it takes your head off. And they could easily like cut your limbs or fingers off if you weren't careful. So very dangerous job. Not a great place to go. So when C-3PO says he's worried about being sent to the spice mines at Kessel, he's really saying, I'm worried I'm going to run into an energy spider and get cut up by a web and get my energy sucked out. I mean, that would be death for a droid, because what are they but energy? And you can see why, like, Triaculus probably didn't have such great reviews on, like, Glassdoor. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Work conditions were not great. So you're probably wondering, this is so dangerous. This is such a hard thing to get. Why would anybody want this stuff? Did Ricky feel that good? Well, Glitterstone was pretty magical. Uh, it gave the user a brief yet pleasurable telepathic boost. It gave you telepathy? Yes, in a heightened mental state. So you could, like, think of things really easily. It could also have kind of light telepathy. So, like, if you take it before you go on Jeopardy, maybe that's what happened with Ken Jennings. I think so, Ken Jennings He took Glitter Stim, and then he just, like, knew things. He could just think of things really quickly. Ken the Jedi Prince Jennings. Oh, my God, do you think? I think. (laughs) I think. I definitely think. However, like all drugs, there's always a downside. Excessive use would degenerate the nerves in the brain, resulting in loss of sight, twitching, nervousness, and paranoia. Yeah, there's always a calm down. It was highly addictive. It could lead to full-blown addiction, even with casual use. And they were called glit biters. Glit but Because did you have to bite it to take it? Yeah, it was like ingested. Is it a thing like... I know the problem with most drugs in our current universe is that... The way they work is they force your brain to, like, dump a bunch of chemicals all at once. Yeah. So it makes you feel super good. Then afterwards, you don't have those chemicals, so you feel really miserable for several days while they build up again. Well, you can imagine having telepathy for, like, a couple hours and not having it anymore. That'd, that'd feel really bad. That's like flowers for Algernon. Yeah, but no. it's, like, illegal drugs for Algernon. Yeah, illegal drugs <laughs> no, for Algernon. They gave, they gave that mouse a bunch of illegal drugs. You can, like, hear people's thoughts. They can't dude. go back. Yeah. Uh, a famous glitter stim <laughs> addict was uh, Figrin Dan, a Figrin Dan in the Mortal <gasps> Nodes. No, Figrin Dan. Well, so, I guess he's in rock and roll. That makes sense. He's the leader of the band in the Cantina, the little butthead guys. Yeah. And he sometimes would pick gigs based on where he could get glitter stim easily. Oh, that is just the rock and roll lifestyle, and, isn't uh, it? Burns. Yeah. So that's kind of why he was on Tatooine and Greedo's story because there was glitter stim heavily available. Oh, I'm sure Tatooine. I'm sure there was like all the drugs in the world on Tatooine. So that's glitter stim. I mean, I'll be you know I will be testing you at the end. This is kind of like your dare pro program here so like make sure you're remembering what these drugs do what why you should say no to them so like you know you shouldn't go into these problems okay so we're gonna do a little bit of exercises at the end to make sure you can remember these drugs and how you can say no to spice okay cool okay uh another drug that was pretty popular was called lisai and lisai was not mined anywhere it was actually a mold that grew on the back of a certain species of lizard Ooh. So did you have to lick them? Uh, yeah. Well, they, 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 like those frogs so you the, lick? The purplish mold was scraped off with a spatula uh. off the lizard's back and then rubbed into a hollow at the base of the user's throat. Ooh. Yeah. Here. Like right here? Yes. Like, okay. You'd rub it in on like, the base of your throat and you had this purple stain left if you were a Lisi addict. Oh my. So if you see someone with a purple throat, you know, that guy's on drugs. I feel like that's like a terrible place to rub it because what if you, it turns out you have an allergic reaction, you've just literally rubbed it on your air pipe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's probably a good like, you know, population control thing, right? Yeah. Well, if yeah. You're, if you're gonna like, it's pretty harsh. If you're but... gonna rub the mold off a lizard's back on your throat, I think you kind of <laughs> deserve it. Jeez, Ryan, zero tolerance. Zero. For you. Well, I'm, this is your dare program. I gotta tell you. I mean, all right. So lisi allowed humans and other sentient species to go without the need for sleep. And so, if you rub some lisi in your throat, some of that yummy purple mold, you didn't have to sleep. Wow. You didn't need it. Adderall. And also effectively extended the average lifespan of the user by one third. You could just like keep doing things. Because you think about like how much you like. Wouldn't that make your lifespan. Well, I guess, yeah. You'd you'd live the same number of years. But you get more awake time. When you had like a third. But doesn't. Wouldn't your body just like fall apart eventually? Wouldn't you have a heart attack if you were just never sleeping? Well, that's what they'd want you to think, right? Okay. (laughs) I thought you were the 
dare officer, you're like, now they want you to think this drug has disadvantages, but it actually no, no, not. yeah. As as the dare officer from the Empire, I want to let you know that it's official information from the Empire, which I am part of, that it'll turn your users into amoral machines with no feeling or compassion for others. So oh, do not use it. That's the side effect, then, huh? I mean, that's our official line. Yeah, is that it turns you into somebody like a really bad person, an amoral monster. Yeah, but is there some question about that? Is there because you no, make it no sound question. like this is, is it, just the Empire's party line? It's the Empire. Are you questioning the empire? Isn't the empire already an immoral machine with no compassion are you, for others? Are you questioning are our official in... line? Are you fi- are you questioning? No, not at all. No, are you sir. questioning your dare officer? No, I'm sorry. Okay. Please, please, can I see your gun later? No. Oh, okay. But do you have a cool poster? It's like ways to say no. Of course, yeah, yeah. And it's like, no thanks. I'm high on life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Remember some of those. I'll yeah. put up on the wall while we're doing this talk. Okay. All right. Next lesson, kids. Booster blue. Booster Blue was made out of an industrial dye used for starships. Oh. So it's like basically like blue paint off a starship. Like the blue paint that like Tobias paints himself with. If you just want to blue yourself, have some... <laughs> just want to booster blue yeah. yourself. If you're like the youngest blue, you just buster blue yourself. Oh, oh. Now why was it the blue? Only the blue. I don't know. It says some kind of chemicals. kind of like Red 40. You know, like the Was it the thing that was supposed to lower your sperm count? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. When you consumed it. It would enhance your reaction time. And so if you combine with a couple other drugs, like Thruster Head or Neutron <coughs> Pixie, you could effectively dodge blaster bolts. Whoa. Yeah. I feel like these are like performance enhancing drugs. Like I feel like they would have to test for these in your urine during the Galactic Olympics. I'm pretty sure you'd have to, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the Booster Blue by itself just kind of gives you a bit of reaction time. You need, like, three of them to be able to, like, slow down to, like, Neo speeds, you know? Like, do bullet time. Yes, exactly. Now, was there any, like, medical use for these? For example, if you had, like, senile dementia... Yeah, I mean, that like, probably... Um, Booster Blue probably good for that, right? Yeah, you'd think, wouldn't you? Or, like, Glitter Stim. Kind of like how they're wanting Give to some try tra- and treat depression with ketamine now? Yeah, maybe. Could be. All right. I just thought... But no. I no, just, it's I mean, not. I want, Well, basically what I'm saying is I want to see old people on Booster Blue. Yeah, Booster Blue be good. <laughs> I, do, I want to see some elderly man doing bullet time in the street. Huffing some paint and doing <laughs> yeah, bullet yeah, time. Yeah. Good. So we have a few drugs. We have we have, we have Glitter Stim. We have Lisi. We have Booster Blue. Another one is Yarok. And this is a strong hallucinogen. Ooh. Yarok is dangerous. Hallucinogens are bad news. It was originally synthesized by Iridonian shamans to give to warriors before battle. And it was said to instill a person with a clear vision of the meaning of life to either kill or be killed, thereby boosting their confidence temporarily. I mean, I'm sure it did that in, let's say it did that in like 90% of people, but you know how there's always like that percentage of people that have a really bad reaction to a drug? So the other 10% just like freaking out, well, tearing their hair out, like, oh God! Said, yeah, it would lead to side effect of psychosis. Okay, so, so yes. <laughs> so basically, yes. This is just an aside, but in the Yarok article, there was one little sentence that kind of reminded me of like, Butch was a Rancor dragon. Yeah. It says, Drub McCumb was a user of Yarok. Drub McCumb? Drub McCumb. M-C-K-U-M-B. Drub McCumb. Drub McCumb. Drub McCumb was a user of Yarok. I looked him up, and all I got, he was a plump human male. <laughs> Who the hell is Drub McCumb? He's a plump human male, of course. They can't just throw these things in. Like, Butch was a Rancor dragon. Drub McCumb was a plump human. Right, so to review, we have... There are a few other drugs I can list off for you. Yeah. Um, Corellian Sunburst, Avabush Spice, Whoa. Gunjack, Magravian Cat Spice, Red Rage, and G. Ricknick, just to Ooh. name a few. Real quick, uh, every Wikipedia page has a talk article where they have people discussing how the article should be changed or Yeah, whatever. like future edits or whatever. Here's a message from Digfo. Okay, Digfo, what you got to say? How do you consume spice? Do you eat it? Smoke it? I looked at the article for Spliff, but it doesn't say anything specific. I looked at the article for Spliff? And I too looked at the article for Spliff, and it said a means of ingesting spice through smoking. Wait, so how did he not? Seriously, no one's going to answer this? Well, maybe it said that it says that now because he complained. What's Spliff? How does a Spliff work? How does a Spliff work? Oh my. I mean, that's not even like a Star Wars thing. A Spliff? A like, spliff. you smoke a Spliff. Like, everyone's... Like, so you know who's editing Wikipedia, right? People who don't know what a spliff is? Yes. I don't know if that's comforting or 
I guess. I mean, we know they're not like degenerate it's, it's drug kind addicts. Of cute. It's, it's kind, kind of, of cute. Maybe they're like eleven. I mean, they might be. They might be. So at the beginning of the of the segment, you did mention death sticks. Yes. Which are a very common one. They were a mild hallucinogen, relatively cheap, and smuggled into cities by these guys called slithmongers. Slith. Slithmongers. S l y t h m o n g e r s. So slithmongers were death stick dealers. They came in two typical forms. In liquid form, they consisted of small tubes of red or yellow ixital salona fluid, which could be added to an alcoholic drink or injected intravenously. There's also a hardened variety, like a crystal. There's these dried granules that could be smoked or pulverized and then insuffolated. So snorted. Is that what you call it? Snorting is insuffolated. Insuffolated. Interesting. Right? And so this extract offered euphoria in exchange for horrific outcome, producing a twisted version of reality enhanced by bright colors. With each dose, the user's life was shortened, and the successive dosages took away large chunks from a lifespan. With each successive dose, the desire for a harder reaction increased, and it was very difficult for a youth to shake off their addiction without medical assistance. Is there any way, like, death sticks, like, once you get off them, did the years come back? Or is it, like, literally you smoked it? Yeah, and you lost 10 years. I'm not sure. It's a good question. Rehabilitation, it was pretty widely available at medical centers, and it cost usually 2500 to 3500 credits. Is that a lot? Well, it's like 2500 bucks or Okay, yeah, it's a decent amount know, of money. Big chicken change for that, that rehab. There's a society called the Balosars, and death sticks were a devastating factor in their society. Pollution was one of the causes of heavy addiction to death sticks, but the Balosars had an immunity to toxins, let them consume them without much effect other than the lifelong addiction that came with it. Oh, and so they so lost. It's like this doesn't this doesn't affect me in any way. It doesn't make me feel good. But man, do I need it! And the Balasars, a lot of them will become slithmongers because because they can you know their own supply like is yeah. not going to affect them. Now there's a famous slithmonger who we see in episode two, the one who tries to sell desks to Obi Wan. Is that the one where Obi Wan's like, I want to go home and rethink my life or whatever? That's what he tells him to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is a Balasar. Balasars are the people with the antennas. Yes. It's also what Skiv Darson is, if you listen to Jub Jub's yes, Quest. Yes, yes. And that one who tries to sell death sticks to Obi-Wan, his name is Elon Selsabagano, or often known as Elon Sleesbagano. Oh my god! So wait, so Slee... Okay, so... I am glad to hear that Sleesbagano is not his actual surname. Selsabagano is his Balasar name. People call him Elon Sleesbagano. So it's just like a nickname. Because I remember when you first told me that that guy's last name was Sleesbagano. I was like, I'm done with Star Wars. I'm just done. <laughs> it is super dumb, to be sure. I can tell you a little bit about him, a little bio. He was a medical student. Yeah. He had oh. a promising career as a doctor, but he ended up stealing medical supplies to like pay for stuff and eventually became a slithmonger and got addicted to his own death sticks. Oh no. He was getting high as high as his own supply. Stupid idiot. For sure. After being mind tricked by Obi-Wan, he actually did go home and rethought his life completely. And then he decided to just make the same decisions. Well, he managed to break his death stick addiction and swore off the slithmonger business for a while. Okay. But soon he slipped back into his old criminal ways, became involved in the trade of other non-chemical illegalities such as weapons and stolen goods. Arguably worse. Arguably worse. Especially the weapons part. But after the end of the Clone Wars, Elon Selsabagano had once more changed his ways and was seeking to turn others from the path of illicit drug use. Did he become like a motivational speaker? He was passing out pamphlets, yeah. Oh, that's nice. I mean, yeah. it's annoying, but it's nice. Joanna, I think you need some some real world practice here of how to say no to these drugs because there's so many and like you need to like know how to do it. Okay. All so, right, hold on. So I'll be I'll be Elon Sleesbagano. Okay. And you can be just a regular old like a hobbit who's like trying to get their second breakfast or there's pipe weed and okay you know, this balasar the skinny dude with a jacket and, and antennas kind of pops out of the alleyway like hey hey how you doing kid you want to buy some glitter stem. It's really good. I got it from the Kessel Mines. And I'll say, get a job, you hippie wasteoid. Oh, ouch. No, no, no. This is my job. I'm a slithmonger, baby. Why don't you buy some? It'll make you some telepathy. And I know you. I'm on it all right now, and I can tell you're thinking about buying some. That's for sure. You need to go to jail, hempo. All right. Fine, fine. I'll take a different avenue here. You've told me off quite well. You probably don't like sleeping that much, right? I got this, this good stuff. Just got in. Lissai. Okay, got off a lizard's back. You don't gotta sleep. Look at me, look at my neck, it's all purple. You don't gotta sleep none at all. What do you think? Come on, kid, stay up all night, hang out with the big boys. What do you think? Get a grip, you sativa snorter. It's not sativa, and I don't snort it, I put it on my throat, but... What do I look like, a failure? Uh, no, no, I guess not. All right, all right, fine, 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 fine. How about some of this? Uh, yeah, this, 
These Booster Blue, yeah, this will give you some good reaction times. What do you think? Combine it with some Thruster Heads and Neutron Pixie. Baby, you'll be dodging Blaster Bolts. What do you think? No, Blunts are for bad men. Well, I'm not a bad man. <laughs> no, thanks. I'm nice. <laughs> you are awfully nice, but you're also <laughs> inscrutable. All right. Hey, but you want to see some stuff? See some good, good stuff. Give you the meaning of life. Yarok, baby. My bud, uh, Drum McCum, loves the stuff. What do you think? Nah, bongs are wrong. Sorry. <laughs> step out of my zone now. All right, I'll step out of your zone. I'll get this bong out of your face full of Yarok. Uh, hey, man, listen. I know I know you don't want any other stuff, but uh, I got a couple of death sticks here. Give me some, see you some good stuff. It's my favorite. Real cheap. All right? Oh, it's, my, it's my last topic. The first hit is free. I'll give it to you right now. Just a free sample, right? Nuh-uh. I respect the police. Hey, listen, listen. It's okay. It's okay. Cops don't care about this stuff. Everyone smokes death sticks. You want to be cool, don't you? I'm calling the Coast Guard. Oh, crap. The Coast Guard. I got to go home and rethink my life. And scene. That was really good, Joanna. You really know how to tell someone not to take spice. You yeah, know? I've had some practice. Wow. I'm going to use certificate from the, the Empire's D.A.R.E. program. Thank you so much. I'm sure that, you know, with this certificate that I earned at the age of 10. Yeah. I, I'm sure that I will never use illegal substances. I'm sure it didn't interest you more in the drugs I talked about. And you won't seek them out as a curiosity at all. No. Because that definitely would not happen. No. If anybody approaches me, I'll say, you wish, pot junker. These are very good. I was raised right. I won't light. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. That is good. I honestly can't tell if this poster is real or a joke. <laughs> it sounds... like, I'm like crying. It's so ridiculous. I'm pretty sure it's real. I just don't think anyone actually uses it. It's, it's so good. I love it. Cannabis <laughs> is crap, you cretin. I love all the alliteration and like the rhymes. Like, this is really creative. Get off my case, weed stoner. Weed stoner. Like, this is gotta Okay, tag, tag me with one more before I move into my last bit here. Back off, bucko. You're bad. Ooh, a lot of bees in that one. Yeah. Okay, keep yeah. those in your back pocket. Those are, okay. those are good to have. All right. So a little bit behind the scenes. One of the things in the behind the scenes section of the article says that it's been influenced by Frank Herbert's seminal book, Dune. Of course. Do what? Do what? Say what? It also talks about author Kevin J. Anderson having some issues with Lucasfilm and the, and the treatment of spice. Kevin D. Anderson is a very prominent Star Wars EU writer. Oh, sure, 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 sure. I've heard of him. Yeah, made a lot of Star Wars books, a lot of really bad ones. And he noted that some politically correct individuals at Lucasfilm almost forced him to change spice into being a food additive. Oh, man, that is so politically correct. I don't think that's politically correct. I think that's just, like, worrying about influence on well, kids. Well, that, not... that wasn't good enough for Anderson. He went directly to, to George Lucas, and Lucas is like, yeah, it's a, it's a drug. Oh, all right. George Lucas confirms. So Anderson compromised between the Lucasfilm people and George Lucas and his own personal vision for Han Solo as a drug dealer. And he made it so that most of the substances had positive qualities instead of like super damaging ones like crystal meth. So, oh, so that's why some of them are like, there are literally no disadvantages. They give you drug. superpowers. And it's cool that Han Solo was selling this because like it literally just gives you superpowers and does nothing bad to you whatsoever. Right. Okay. Well, I feel like honestly, that is a worse lesson though. I do think so. Because it's like, hey kids, there's all these drugs in Star Wars and they're really cool and don't hurt you at all. You gotta get out of that. Yeah, the PC police trying to keep drugs down. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars books. Trying to give drug dealers a bad name. Come on. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs or the police will shoot you. The Empire will blast your ass into space. And also you'll be amoral. And a killing, killing machine. machine. And you'll be supporting miners who have to face energy spiders every day. Miners and also droids. And droids. Well, good episode, Ryan. I feel like I learned a lot about these drugs. And I'm interested to see what you choose. <laughs> okay. Joanna's pulled up uh, <laughs> a Facebook page. She's on a computer during an episode, and she put up an, an art, uh, a page called Marijuana Makes You Violent. But enough about that. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Marijuana Makes You Violent. 
If you want to reach us, you can email us at whatslicesabersprecious.gmail.com or find our Facebook or Twitter page by searching for our name. You can go on our SoundCloud. You can go on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and give us a rating. If you like what you're hearing, maybe tell your nerdy friends, like pop into like a, a comic book shop or a game store and be like, hello, fellow nerds. Are you into the world of Tolkien and Lucas? Then you should listen to this podcast. It is quite entertaining. And it's- that is absolutely not something we do while dressed in conspicuously new-looking Marvel t-shirts. And- yeah, we go, hello, Bazinga, my fellow nerds. <laughs> Do that. You'll make lots of friends. Next week we have a special episode coming up. You Denny's. Are Denny's special? Or Denny's spectacular. So look forward to that. The one you've all been waiting for. Yeah. I have a, one last article to fill us out here. Okay. Uh, let's see. Random button. Shock boxing. Shock boxing? Shock boxing was a violent and often dangerous sport where combatants fought against each other in a ring using electrified gauntlets known as shock mitts. Whoa. It's boxing, but your hands are, are electrified. 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 Okay. So, you know, like, let's take the brain damage that already happens during boxing, and let's add in possibly some lifelong epilepsy and also peeing your pants in the ring. I imagine it's really fun to watch. That sounds like actually a blast, I have to say. My article is The Hill in Amman, a.k.a. Valinor, where the Vanyar and the Noldor founded their fair city of Tyrion. But do you know what it was called, that hill? Huh. Tuna. Tuna? Tuna! Well, you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a... An elf! An elf! Settlement in Valinor! Yeah! All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Catch you at Denny's! And remember, if you get offered pipe leaf or spice, remember this helpful phrase to help you get through your your interaction with uh, Slithmonger. No, weeds are for whacking. Nice! Nice!